Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Dude, how are you doing? Good. You know, I'm great. It's good to see your face. It's good to be back on the cast. Um, it's a new year. What more can we want, right? It is It is 2022. So, we got there, Cameron. We did it. So, yeah, we did it. We did. And honestly, I mean, I know everybody's got a different perspective, different outlook. Um, l- listening back to some of our old stuff, man, 2021 treated me a lot better than 2020. <laughs> I know some a lot of people had that experience, not necessarily, but mm-hmm. um, so here's to onward and upward of 2022. I'm raising my water glass. Let's let's make it happen, Cameron. Happy New Year. Here, here, dude. Here, here. Yeah. Well, you got a dark roast there? Oh uh, yeah, just like your your basic. Uh, no, this is Stumptown coffee. We tried oh, really? something new. Yeah, it's how is good. that? It's good. It's good. I mean, I don't know if it's worth. It, it was like a Christmas gift, uh, so it's a little bit more pricey than your normal coffee, but it's good. I'd like to go is to it, visit a Stumptown sometime. Isn't that Portland? Port I, West Northwest Coast. Yes, I don't know if it's Portland or Seattle. Okay, well, now we've offended a bunch of listeners. Let's move forward, Cameron, with our discussion. So what we're going to do, we're just going to talk a little bit about what we've been playing, what we've been up to, and then I want to move forward to our looking ahead at 2022, things we hope, think, for the upcoming year in Magic. And then we're going to close out the show. Look, a new Star Wars show debuted. We'd kind of be remiss if we didn't talk about it at least because mm-hmm. we are i'd say infamous for our star wars talks and also just like our favorite games and other things we've taken in this year cameron you and i have been playing the same standard deck this week we have uh fun fact i have not opened up arena now in almost a month um and it's been kind of great just to focus solely on like paper um so I haven't been playing a ton. I've been goldfishing a lot, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I was able to play um, some Paper Magic, playing Blue Black Sedgemore Witch, Blue Black Tempo Control, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is this is just like the deck that could not be more Cameron's play style. You know, lots of really good removal, some decent kind of counter slash divide by zeros really um and then just flooding the battlefield with tokens to win the game it's it is it is so much like i said like my play style and i love this deck um you can get it i I think i've talked about this on a previous show but if you can get past the the dual lands that you need this deck is so incredibly cheap um and i think it's like um it's potent as far as like the power level of what you can be doing against um, a wide portion of the field. Um, I will say I feel like mono white blue red control are still probably the best things you could be playing right now. Um, I saw so much mono white, so much mono green, not only playing against it, but that's just it seems like that's what a lot of people are doing. Um, and I, I, I okay with mono white being in the in like like a best performing deck a because we haven't really had a like a tier one mono white deck in i don't know how long a while (laughs) and it's so cheap like i mean other than like the luminarch 
Luminarch Aspirant, which I think is the best, the best card in the deck. Too good. Um, we got to nerf it. We got to nerf that. We got to nerf it. Yeah, like yeah. Like, way in fact, too I'm going to take my pen and just scratch out what the text Ridiculous. says. Ridiculous! I can't yeah. believe they printed that card. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but dude, that deck, it's I mean, cheap, 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 cheap. Um, and it's it's also like incredibly good, and. Just playing the paper stuff, seeing kind of like the diversity that exists, I think this standard is really healthy. I, I think that the the cost to entry is so low. Um, the decks are really good. There's interesting matchups among many of the things. Like I actually like seeing aggro matchups between mono white and mono green because like man, combat really matters, right? Like, as far as, like, how you're going to, um, how you're going to swing. And so, like, all of those things kind of combined make for, for me, a, a great standard. Like, I, I'm really thoroughly enjoying um, what I've seen. Uh, digitally, I have no idea what's going on, if it's good, bad, or, or meh. <laughs> so, I, I think it's just become so, and we, and we talked about this in the last few months, like, we, the the regular player, if they're being honest and doing a for real analysis, needs to understand that the the cost value equation in Magic has shifted drastically, and Standard is the best deal right now, and it's not close. And I mean, the price of modern decks are so expensive, where the top tier Standard decks are like one hundred and fifty dollars if you have actual nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have any of it, i.e., some of the dual lands, like you're in really good shape, like really good shape, right? And some of these are driven up by things like Goldspan Dragon, right? So mm -hmm. um, there is that. I would also point out that Epiphany, Arn's Epiphany, the, you know, the, the boogeyman of the format, is a probably the best overall card, but it is not a game over the way it was, no. right? Um, Mono White is just that, like, um, what's the word? Active, aggressive, <laughs> you're right mono green there is a mono black deck now too right mm -hmm. so you have all these cards and again some of this is driven by faceless haven being so good and so strong and now you can play like eight man lands in a deck which i don't know that like that might be a little bit of a nitpick i have with standard is sure. sometimes you play against the mono green deck and they have so many man lands for you to wade through and you can only play you know two field of ruins or whatever and it's just like come on like do we really need this many man lands but Faceless Haven is is not Mutavault. It is obviously a standardized version of that. But I would have really preferred them to keep that as the lone man land or made the actual color man lands the thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I 100% agree with you. This standard is, like, super diverse. There are, like, five or six good decks that you could play. Yeah. And, like, you can play, like, a Zombies deck and it's fine. You can play a Cleric's deck and it's fine. Like, these Tier 2 decks are not, like, miserable. They can do it. No, no. You know, <laughs> whereas the standard before, uh, many standards before, there was this massive gap between what was tier one and what was tier two. Now I feel like that's not really there. But like, I mean, if we're being honest, this blue black deck is supposedly tier two, uh, and I'm winning at a at a alarming rate with it, dude. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is sideboard options. You're talking about playing against a lot of mono white, mono green. You can obviously change the deck substantially, add more meat hook massacres, things like that to make it, you know, really good mm -hmm. against those decks. But then you kind of destroy your is it control matchup, right? So um, 
This is also the deck I've been playing on Arena a lot. I'm, I'm assuming you're playing Lear in yours or no? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm playing. It's a 3-3 split between Lear and Sedgemore Witch. Yeah, I feel like this is weirdly like the deck that is most made for you and I. Like, it's like somebody took both of our taste. Like, if you said, <laughs> hey, Curtis, there's a control deck that has a past in flames creature. Like, in. I'm in, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's also that nice thing on Arena, and maybe this is just the level I'm at where I'm like, you know, this like gold platinum level kind of per player. Uh, people don't scoop to Leer when they should. Mm, mm -hmm. And they let it kind of go on for far too long and it's very enjoyable if you're the player that has it in play right or they go through it's all these histrionic yeah. yeah they go through all this crazy stuff to try and kill your leer right uh -huh. they do it and then you just play another one like <laughs> you can just you can just feel the hopelessness through the computer it's great mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. whereas modern i haven't really touched i mean i've i've even not really had an opportunity to play it I know it is the most popular at the store level for me, and I, I don't know about you, but I would assume that's the case as well. I know you have a yeah. lot of legacy players, but modern still pulls like crazy. Yeah, it's the most popular. Yeah, and so I haven't like even looked at that metagame. I'm going to click on it right now, and I'm going to see what does the metagame indicate, right? <laughs> um, but you know, I haven't touched that, and that's been great for me too because. I've always had kind of this difficult relationship with modern, but to not worry about it for a while or historic and just focus on standard has been really nice. Um, anyway, so this deck is good, but if you have Allruns Epiphanies and you want to play those cards, do it. I think the mono green deck is super versatile um, and can like it's probably the most problem. I don't know how you feel. I feel like mono green is the most problematic matchup for blue black control um, mm -hmm. just because you can kind of lose to one of their creatures that you happen to run out of removal spells for. Um, they have a lot of tramples, so the Sedgemore Witch thing doesn't really as work as well. Um, <coughs> anyway, it's a really, really cool, good deck. Are you going to play any other standard decks, or are you just going to be grinding this one until the next set? I'm going to be grinding this one. I might. I might try to splash white to do like the more Esper control thing, but it's really, I mean, a different deck. Like It's not doing anything with, with Sedgemore Witch anymore. Um, but I do kind of like um, that that Esper control list. I saw it the, uh, played the other day, and um, I don't know, man. There's just there's still something about the Rass. I I like me some Rass, you know. And I mean, Mihork Massacre and whatnot is good, but um, there's just nothing better than just wiping that board and really upsetting your opponent. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like you would think, whenever we saw Doomscar. That that would be a card that I would be playing four of in standard for the length of time that it existed in standard. Mm -hmm. And it's just not been the case, you know? But, I mean, that's the metagame. There's a lot of man lands. There's a Seekus Chariot. There's Ren and Seven. Like, Wrath yeah. effects are just not nearly as good as you would like them to be. Yep. Um, also, Thalia has a longstanding history of just really <laughs> wrecking Wrath effects. Um, no, and I just want to say, we're not going to get into Kamigawa Neon Dynasty stuff, Um I'm really excited. I've really liked those previews. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm hopeful for what that indicates for the upcoming standard. So, anyway, Cameron, let's get out of the segment. Talk about the year 2022. All right, Cameron. So let's talk about 2022. I guess I realized that 
Kamigawa Neon Dynasty is in 2022, and we're not talking about that. <laughs> That's kind of more of a known quantity, is how I would put it. Um, what a ye- weird year last year was. We kind of went through the P's and Q's of it. I'm hoping that no cards are banned for standard this year. Do you think that's feasible? I I mean, that'd be a great feat, I think. Um, I, I just feel like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's so weird now with like alchemy, if like that's where the attention is going to be focused, is standard going to be fine? I, I don't know, but I would love to see no bans. Like that would be the sign that everything is okay. <laughs> Do you think Raghavan will live the year in Legacy and in Modern? Mm. Um, I, I, out of all the Modern Horizon things, that thing will have lived for a full year the way that Arkham's Astrolabe did. I think it might see the door. We'll see. Um, but, man, that would upset a lot of people, too, because that's a lot of money going down the drain. Well, I, I do know that there's been a lot more discontent with it in legacy circles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean... I, I would have to talk to an actual legacy player to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting thing that we are very much on the outside of. I think it's way too good. Like, But, again, I'm not super invested in the format, so maybe my opinion is a little bit irrelevant at this stage, right? So, um, all right, so I've got a couple questions for you that we are going to discuss for the upcoming year. Um, so... Are we in a full-on standard versus alchemy, two formats enter, one format leaves future? Oh, man. I, I just... Mm. How, do you, how do you, as a organization, support both of those? To me, it, it's like having... It's weird. It's like this company like somehow supports two digital products and still keeps them in competition with yeah, each right. other. Right. Uh, I don't know, man. Like that's a really difficult question to answer. Uh, I just because you're using the exact same cards, and it just seems like you're going to show negligence to one. Yeah, so I thought about this. Obviously, I'm a I'm wanting standard to be the primary focus. I I've gotten a lot of feedback. I've seen other people say, "Hey, they announced Alchemy. I've left Arena." It's not just been you, dude. It's not mm-hmm. just been you. There's been a lot of that. Um, but I'm kind of in in this mode of because I can't really play standard paper at this point in the the year. Um, that I just ignore it. That Alchemy, I recognize exists there's some number of alchemy cards on my account because they gave me some packs but to me i'm like full-on fingers in my ears you know i can't hear you alchemy (laughs) but here's what i've noticed go to mtg goldfish go to star city games go to channel fireball go to tcg player you know how many alchemy things are on the front page right now zero Hmm. and this is what i really wonder about is like We've gotten this rollout for Alchemy. Obviously, I think Wizards is going to give it a go. They're not going to give it three weeks and go, oh, not a lot of people are paying attention to it. But just anecdotally, and again, I listen to a lot of Magic podcasts as well, Alchemy just doesn't seem to be, like it already seems to be on the back burner compared to Standard. And when people talk about Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, they're talking about those cards in terms of their effect on Standard, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
So what's going to be interesting is if Alchemy settles into this mode of, okay, standards played out, so now I'm going to play some Alchemy matches, right? Like right before we get a new set, or is it fully going to replace standard, or are we just going to look a year down the line and go, well, that experiment happened, not enough people played it, so we're shelving Alchemy for now. I, just based upon the trajectory that I see and the chatter that I hear, I don't envision a world in which alchemy replaces standard. Mm -hmm. It seems like it cannot happen, right? Um, but I'm, I'm curious, and we're kind of going to get into competitive play stuff, if the pro-level stuff is all alchemy, how that will impact it, my suspicion would again be not very much. Yeah. I just don't see a player like you, Cameron, going, oh, wait, the pros are playing alchemy? <laughs> Now I will spend hundreds of dollars on wild cards. And like here's what else is interesting, dude. Now that you, let's say Kalmagawa Neon Dynasty happens, and then you say, you know what, I am gonna give Alchemy a try. You have to go back and get all the alchemy cards that they just made for the initial release, plus the alchemy cards for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. No. And you're you're giving me the Captain America. No, I don't think I will. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I just don't. I, I, as things progressively get more normal in like the paper scene and whatnot, and people start having more tournaments, and there's at that local shop level, I just, I just don't see how like at that competitive scene, those players are going to put their resources into alchemy when there's like money on the line in the shop level. There's, you know ways to progress and all these other things i just i just don't see that happening it seems like this was a band-aid that they're, they're they're trying to solve from 2020 when we're looking ahead to 2022 and um the paper scene is going to grow again i mean I, people are still hungry for that and i think they're the the hunger for like real tournaments um is going to kind of dictate that so it might just at the community level just never take take hold yeah i i mean again and i haven't been in a card shop a ton since alchemy's been announced i think once you've probably done been there more literally never heard anyone out loud talk about alchemy besides you mm -hmm. so we'll see i mean and i would love to know you know some of the bigger podcasts like the arena decklist podcast like they have access to their metrics to see like when they do an alchemy podcast do they get as much feedback? Do they get as mm. many, you know, many downloads? Mm -hmm. Whatever. I would love to know that. Um, all right. So next question: What can Pioneer gain any ground at all? Like, is this? Are are we in? Is Pioneer dead? Is it alive? Life it, support? It, it, is it like <laughs> the protagonist from Kill Bill? What is happening? Right? Like, yeah. It. it I mean, after playing it, what was that two weeks ago? Three weeks ago now. Um, and just kind of suiting on it, and I've been, you know, kind of tweaking the deck that I have, which is that blue-red um, list. I I think it's the best format you could be playing right now, like, <laughs> hands down. It's just, it was so surprising, so unexpected, and um, not having fetches solves so many, like, little quibbles that, you know, both, I think, are a criticism and what make Legacy great, but at the same time, I'm, like, kind of just done with it. Um, it's so good and not having any modern horizon cards in it just makes that thing feel 
pure in a way that it, it just feels like this this has been the last eight what eight nine years ten years of magic's history and it feels good it feels really good to be playing that so i hope that it can support be supported it's not nearly as popular as modern but i think um more and more people who get a taste of it um will i think you know with open arms let it let it come <laughs> yeah and and dude whenever somebody says i wish they would do pioneer masters i just want to mm. like let's asterisk that and say with no new cards mhm like Again, it's a real stark contrast when you look at Pioneer and you look at Modern, the waters haven't been muddied at all. Mm-hmm. And so there's like a real clear like thing in my head of what is legal in Pioneer and what is not and what kind of archetypes I can build and how long they'll be good because I know they're not going to print a Hogak in the middle of it and just upset the Apple cart or Arkham's yeah. Astrolabe or like what have you, right? Um, that the changes are a little bit more evolutionary not revolutionary mm. and for for good or for bad that's what modern used to have right yeah. like you could play affinity for many 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 years now affinity is i mean i guess it's still attack you know but mm-hmm. um it's not the same right like no. they've yeah. basically printed it out uh, of like into and, and mox opal being banned but like basically there's too many other be- good strategies Mm-hmm. Right. Um, all right. So I, I'm hopeful for Pioneer. I'm root, like I'm rooting for Flesh and Blood. Like I hope these things work out. Jury's still out. Um, actual GPs. You think we're gonna get them? Oh man, I'm. I'm. I have no basis like uh, to say otherwise, or like that. My my opinion is going to actually happen. But I would hope by the summer. Um, Things have settled down. We can gather a little bit more, and um, yeah, we get GPs. I'm hopeful by summer 2022 we'll have our first GPs coming back. Can we just have something simple? Can we just have, hey, there are six GPs in the U.S. divided by region. Top eight of each of those go to the national championship, and then... The person that wins that tournament, because that's invitation only, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have 48 players. They play each other multi-format in paper. You got yourself a champion. Not hard, guys. I don't know why. Like, have you ever looked at the the, the now defunct MPL? Like, wh- how you end up where and who and what? And it's like, guys, I've watched sports my entire life. Right? I have no idea what I'm looking at. Yeah. And... And, ju- and just make it something that anybody could obtain, right? Like, I get it. You're not going to. It's a shot in the dark. It's really difficult. Uh, but the MPL, I don't even know how somebody got on that. Yeah. Do you? No, no idea. Yeah, but just have open Grand Prix. The winners of those can play at a professional level event, make the purse really good. The end. I'm going to watch that. And I just, I should look over both shoulders. I don't care if I know their name or not. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> if they're a good Magic player, they've won a Grand Prix, they're in this like high-level event. And also, you can make an argument that it might be interesting if somebody didn't play well at this event, right? Like, that can create drama. It's okay, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
So Cameron, products that you'd like to see, anything, or do you oh. just want less products? <laughs> I mean, the, the products I want to see are just solid standard sets. Like, just give me those. I want solid, limited events that first night, and I want those products to lead to good standard decks, standard tournaments, all of that. That's what I want to see. I I just want, again, that very regular cadence. Hey, there's Friday Night Magics. There's the game day X amount of weeks after for a play mat or whatever. Then we, I mean, I would be okay with them doing Grand Prix trials again. I think that would be fun if they do Grand Prix. But, like, make it where you get, like, a buy, not three buys mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like, less products would be nice. I, the few times I've watched Paper Magic, there are multiple times where I have no idea what a card is. Mm. And I, I am Mr chill about variants like i don't that doesn't upset me that much um but it is like i wish they had a little bit more thought on the actual visual design of these things because some of the secret layers some of the some of the variants like you look at the cards like these black and white lands and you're like i have what which land is that i have no idea no idea right so just like a heavier emphasis on making the legibility matter for these variants that would be cool right um all right cameron so let's get out of the segment come back talk about all of our other favorite things from 2021 before we send it off into the ether all right cameron so lots of uh nerd stuff to talk about i would say uh we had boba fett you brought up spider-man which i've since watched Mm, um mm -hmm. Matrix? There was a I Matrix did not. I, I did not Matrix yet. Tell me about this. Should I Matrix? Uh, yeah. I I don't think it was like as offensively bad as like that third movie, <laughs> which oh. I just thought was a complete and utter mess. Uh, it it it's maybe worth checking out, but like, I was real lukewarm on it. Real lukewarm. I feel like I'm kind of a fraud. When it comes to talking about the Matrix, because so that came out my junior year of high school, mm-hmm. so I should be the target audience, right? Sure. And I enjoyed the first Matrix film, but I'm not. I wouldn't call myself like a fan. Like I've seen mm-hmm. every movie, I've seen the first Matrix a few times, but like the second and third Matrix, I think I've each seen once. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of Matrix 2 with a bunch of people that we'll say were pre-depo- predisposed to love it. And I felt like I was the one person like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. And um, they were like, yeah, we got to go back and watch it. Because I think the second one is where the, the gentleman like goes over the, yes. the the meta plan of the machines or whatever. And they're like, because I don't know that I understood. And it's like. I don't think it's that complicated. I think it's pretending to be complicated. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, yeah. Uh, but also the Wachowskis, they they are very hot and cold with me. I loved mm-hmm. Sense8. Um, and that was written by J. Michael Straczynski, who's a comic book writer. And Sense8 is goofy and corny and all these things, but it had these really great moments mm-hmm. um, and a little bit more heart than I find The Matrix has. Um, so my, my thesis here is watch Sense8. <laughs> it's on Netflix. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, 
but yeah, so I'll watch it on HBO Max one day. Is that yeah? Where I I'm mean, at? if you turn it off halfway through, I think that's okay. Like, I mean, I just it was so lukewarm. I didn't hate it, but it was not like groundbreaking or revolutionary. Uh, some of the ideas were okay, but once again, kind of like that second movie. I don't know how much of that was like kind of being purposely obtuse. Um, like the plot overall is pretty simple, um, but. I don't, I don't know. I was real lukewarm on it. Like, I didn't hate it, but I don't know if I would actually recommend it. I mean, were you a big Matrix guy? I, I mean, I loved the first one. I, I thought, you know, like, groundbreaking special effects and action that I thought was, mm-hmm. at the time, legit cool. I think it's still legit cool. Um, it's a hero's journey story, which is fine, you know? But, I mean, and, and a cool conceit. Like, I think the, the entire... What is reality? You know, it yeah, it's 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 a cool it's a cool conceit. Um but like those second and third movies I just don't care about. Like I just like yeah. You could have just ended it on the him flying away and like in my head the whatever story is there is so much better than what we got. Yeah, yeah. And and again, like I wouldn't say I'm as indifferent as I am with Star Trek. Like you are definitely much more but I'm just like, eh. Uh and I feel this by the way, I feel this way about Ghostbusters as well. Mm. Like my brother-in-law, a huge Ghostbusters fan, super excited to go see the Ghostbusters movie that was released a few weeks ago. And I'm just like, I'll oh, get around to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, if a Star Wars thing is released that's live action, I cannot avoid it. I must uh-huh. see it just to, like, even if it's solo and it, like, boils my blood, I have to sit <laughs> and watch it. Right? Sure. Um, so I have to ask, have you watched Boba Fett? I haven't yet. Um, we haven't up our Disney plus subscription for the month. I'm kind of, I think just going to wait until it's all released. Um, it, it hasn't tripped my trigger the way that like I had to see the Mandalorian. I'll just say that. So the good news is when you do, you should also watch Hawkeye. Um, we, we watched and finished Hawkeye. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'd forgotten that, but I thought that was easily the best Marvel show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all, largely because it's carried so much by the female leads of the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I know you're thinking Jeremy Renner doesn't carry it with his <laughs> unbelievable personality, dude. I sorry, this is like we're way on tangents, but he's in a mission. He's in Mission Impossible movies, and I had completely forgotten that he was in Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> yeah, wow, I did too. I guess yeah. <laughs> like I loaded one up, I was like, oh, he is in these. Um, so it's Boba Fett is very good. Um, okay. At least the first episode <coughs> was much better than I hoped it would be. Uh, I don't love that character. Um, and and again, whenever you're growing up in the 80s, 90s, you don't realize that some things have become kind of cultural zeitgeist kind of things until you interact with other people. Mm-hmm. And to me, Boba Fett was just the dude who bit it at the end of Return of the Jedi. Like I did not know that there was such a he is so awesome cultural thing with him right yeah. until i was older and uh but basically it's it's kind of trying to be a crime show uh in the star wars universe and i think there's a lot of room for that um and it was just really well made and fun but again you could finish it all like wait till it all comes out finish it in a week or whatever but mm-hmm. the quality is very much the quality of the mandalorian sure. there's not a yeah. massive drop off which again i was kind of worried about just based upon you know Kind of the background and all that. Uh, I will also say, though, there are flashbacks to Attack of the Clones. 
Mm. Uh, only in sparing bits, like 15, 20 seconds. But you've almost certainly forgotten how bad that movie is. And in those 20 seconds, uh, you'll be brought back viciously, oh, Cameron. Okay. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I've also started just recently Ted Lasso. So I'll... I'll uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious to see if that's worth the hubbub. Have you watched that? We've watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's fine. <laughs> some people, I mean, like I have some coworkers that are just like head over heels. This is the best feel good thing in the world. I'm like, yeah, he's a good character. <laughs> right, right. Okay, well, we'll check but it out. I might out. be um, dead inside. I don't know. There's that too. So, <laughs> Well, Cameron, it's because you've not completed Friday Night Lights, the TV show. You don't have heart. It's okay? true. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so I wanted to just get your opinion favorite games of the year you haven't yeah. really talked about this what a weird year and by the way there's some big ones that i have missed um mm-hmm. but i'm just curious now this is the really the full year of you going pc gamer hashtag pc gamer yeah uh and really i, I would say altered your outlook a lot um but i'm interested man what did you play that you loved this year yeah um so I, I started Deathloop based off of your recommendation, and I'm probably about halfway through that. Definitely in my top five. Um, real, real smart game. I, I really dug that. Halo Infinite is up there. Uh, Metroid Dread is really, really, really good. Uh, I bought Guardians of the Galaxy based off of everybody's recommendation of mm-hmm. being like one of the best games, and I just finished that this morning, and it's surprisingly good. A little of a mess as far as like gameplay and like what, because sometimes they did this randomly throw in like um, you're, you're in your ship and you're going to fly around. And it just, I feel like I didn't have any sense of like what the controls were or anything story wise, like spectacular, like really, really solid. Um, number one for me, hands down death loop. I just love that game. It really connected with me. Um, really dug oh, everything. So you're talking about, about death's door before that. Yeah. Death's door. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Death's Door, Death Loop. Yeah. All of my It's not five. confusing at all. Not confusing yeah, at no, all. No. So yeah, Death Loop, Guardians of the Galaxy, Metroid, Halo, Death's Door. So I um love that list. Uh so couple things for me. I have Metroid Dread, like the copy sitting Good. in the other room. Yeah. I brought it with me to Disney, um, but it didn't play on an airplane well. So I was yeah. like, I, I mean, I, literally I was in it for like 15 minutes. I was like, I'm not doing this game any kind of justice by playing this here. So I'm going to wait till I finish Halo Infinite um, and give this a go. I do want to say like honorable mention to Halo Infinite. I do think that thing breathed a lot of life into the Halo formula and I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's crazy silly. Mm-hmm. Uh and I really kind of enjoy that about it, you know. Um, I I accidentally dropped a warthog, like I called in a warthog, and usually the guys jump out of the way, but this time they didn't, and I like had a horrible workplace accident. Yeah. And the the other soldiers seemed not phased at all and jumped in, like just the cognitive dissonance <laughs> stuff is. Those dudes lived on a ring for six months, survived. And like the the shining hope of Master Chief coming and just death by Warthog, just that yeah what you're talking about so good, and, yeah and and it's weird because like 
basically there's so much of this that is like when people are like, oh, it's not that Breath of the Wild. My experience has been it's very much Breath of the Wild Halo um, in that the kind of meta plot really ceases to matter. And I just see what kind of silly crap I can get up to. Yeah. But because the combat is so diverse and so wild and so ridiculous, it's more fun than Far Cry. Because I felt like Far Cry, I was literally taking down things the same way, the same... T- <laughs> same loop, right? Yeah. yeah. Whereas this, I could roll up with my extended cab warthog with six people <laughs> and just see what happens. You know what I mean? Like right? crazy yeah. stuff yeah. would happen. Um, and have you gotten... You know the, the, the things that shoot like the kind of uh flare grenade things if one of your npcs gets one of those and like just <laughs> completely kills everyone for you it is so funny right yeah. um, anyway so honorable mention to that forza horizon 5 is also in that mode mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. i really enjoy sitting down and play it i don't know that it's going to have this big lasting impact on me yeah but in terms yeah. of me sitting down and enjoying it um i've really enjoyed it so my favorite so death loop <laughs> Let's get this Definitely. clear. I am like mm-hmm. halfway through. I like, I don't, the story isn't pulling me the way I would like. Um, and I've really liked that. I'm also going to give an honorable mention here to Cyberpunk, a game mm-hmm. that I've put in like 12 hours to. I'm waiting for the full on Series X version. I don't think it's garbage. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think it is a good role playing game. Okay. Um, but my big, Deathloop would be number three for me. Number two is going to surprise you. It's Bowser's Fury. <laughs> okay. I think that was just a really cool take on Mario, and I played it to death, dude. It was my favorite Switch game this year by far. Well, I guess Death Doors on everything. Uh, but I really, really, really liked it. And then for me, I finished the first roll of credits on Death's Door um, a few days ago. Every like I just kept playing it. There are massive difficulty spikes, and I don't know if you've encountered any of those mm-hmm. yet. Where mm-hmm. um, the game takes on this like kind of out of clear nowhere, like Sekiro type. <laughs> hey, um, we are going to really punish you for not knowing how this combat works um, or leveling up your character correctly, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But just really all everything that could be executed well in Death Door to me has been, and I, I just. I played it compulsively. Like, it overwhelmed Forza Horizon, Halo Infinite, all these other big-ticket games because I just could not stop. And I really liked the progression of the character, the progression of your abilities. I don't know what abilities you have and haven't gotten, but it's really Zelda meets Sekiro in, like, this Mm -hmm. isometric house-moving castle art style thing and just really spoke to me. I've only rolled the initial credits. There's, like, an extra new game plus extra ending thing that I have not done. So have you fought any of the bosses bosses yet, Cameron? Oh yeah. Yeah. Once again, very punishing. Um, I dig it though. Like, because once you start to learn those systems or level, like progress your leveling, um, that you get that reward sort of part of your brain. It just scratches that itch in a way that, um, not a lot of games do. Right. 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 So, uh, dude, just shout out one more time to the real the real game of the year is Cameron playing through Sekiro finally and beating it right like seriously like that is the game of the year for me hands down um but I just couldn't put on this list yeah yeah like the more like 
I don't know that I've ever had a game that the more I think about it, the more I think that game was actually like one of the best games ever made. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's up there it, for me. Yeah. yeah, it takes it like the further you are away from it, the more you realize how brilliant some of the stuff was in it. So mm. really play the games that we're suggesting, but play Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. <laughs> I think that's the best summation you can do for 2021, yeah. Uh, all right, man. If someone would like to get a hold of you and try to figure out how to beat uh, Lady Butterfly in Sekiro, where could they find you? That's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. I am at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeBeatMTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>